Adulting.ca. That's A D U L T B R A I N.ca. If Maria supported the show, I'd be less sick of podcasts. <laughs> 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 Other than a few magical traditions, most of the spiritual traditions say don't mess around with magic. Don't mess around with spirits. Don't mess that again. All that stuff is real. Don't play with it. Welcome back to the Grimerick Show. We are going to be chatting with Dean Radin a little bit later. Uh, the man, the myth, the legend. Sorry, we're coming at you a couple days late after Soap Lake. It's turned out to be a giant pain in the ass. But well, I should say this. I was less equipped to go on the road than I thought. My laptop didn't have server access and everything turned into a shit show. I mean, you think you're going to have all this time to record and then fucking Brad has you out till 10 o'clock every night. <laughs> You still have to have dinner and everything else. But we did it. We had a fantastic time down at the event. Uh, we did find out. We had to test to come home, um, which, of course, resulted in, in in Graham, I have COVID Dunlop, having COVID, which put a real wrench in our return to Canada plans, which is why Kyle Delisle is going to be joining us for this intro because he is now... Grounded once again. His trips are, <laughs> are fucking. His plans are out the window because As of always, con- yes. because of a tour. But at least this time you're you're set up in the basement. At least not I'm even here. in the basement. You're in the upstairs, yeah. top floor. Yeah, and at least I'm somewhere in Canada. Yeah, you have your own bathroom. Yeah, no, it's actually pretty nice here. I get to be on the podcast too as well. So you get. Yeah, so I got no complaints. It's it's pretty good yeah, so if, far. If you're gonna get caught under COVID restrictions, you know here's. Is a nice place I've, to be. Uh, are you guys allowed to be in studio together, though? I think you're supposed to be in separate rooms. No, the note very clearly says that we're okay to hang out together. Yeah, because we oh, travel really? because we travel together, so we're allowed to. Now, if okay. like he didn't travel with me at all, and I just showed up, then yeah, we'd have to be separate bathrooms, separate. And you can't everything. come over because you're positive. Yeah, yeah. And, and you probably already gave it to us, anyways. Thanks for not masking. Yeah, it's all my fault. Yeah, well, yeah. I didn't mask in the truck, did you? We should have masked him in the truck. We should have masked him. We should have kept we the windows open. We should have just put him in the back. Yeah, we should put him back with the and bathtub. And if the cops pull us over, they're like, why you got a guy in the back? We're just like, he's, he's got just, COVID, he's man. He's Yeah, he's got <laughs> COVID. In the ice bath, we put him in there. We'll just put you in a, we'll, but we could have stopped at Walmart and got him a parka and just been like, Graham lives in the back of the truck. Yeah. yeah. But he's already cool. He already took... My sweatshirt, and he took your sweatshirt. Yeah, he's oh, trying yeah, to do I the whole smallpox. The he's trying to do the whole smallpox thing to us. Yeah, it's like, you know, said they, smelled, they did smallpox. <laughs> he gets blankets. COVID and he's like, Give me some of your guys' clothes. <laughs> there you go. Put this back on. Enjoy life. <laughs> I'm immune to it, not you. And then, of course, uh, it's not a false positive because this motherfucker's got symptoms. Although he didn't tell the border that. 
No, he he conveniently left that part out. He said, yeah. "No, because I, I feel he was a little he was a little better all of a sudden at the border. Up yeah. until then, it was eight. Oh, I'm a little achy. Yeah, he's trying to sleep <laughs> and he's quivering. It's cold. I, 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 I got I chills. Get to the border. Any symptoms? Yeah. Nope. Uh, no sniffles. <laughs> feel fine. Nice and warm. <laughs> Well, the arrive can app said only fever and and uh, cough. When I filled that out. I didn't have fever and cough at that exact moment. Or fever. And <laughs> I didn't want to confuse things by you know making it different than the app. The next live stream, well, I'll I will use Graham's COVID in COVID pick. Oh my god! As the background, <laughs> I'm never gonna live this down. I, mean, I, I just hope you I don't can know, tell hope me you guys are negative. Symptoms. I hope you guys just didn't get it because I'm never gonna live this down. I don't think we're gonna get it. No, I think I think we're good. I'm, I'm not feeling any symptoms. Me neither. We we ripped the deck apart today and started chipping off all the paint. Wow! We have the pressure good. washer out, the sander. We had a sander delivered so we could get into some sanding. We got we started stripping it. We got the paint stripper on there now for the parts we couldn't get. I figure by Friday the deck's going to be completely redone. We might uh, insulate and drywall the grad roof. That's assuming I'm positive because if I'm negative, I'm out. Yeah, that's okay. I could do that shit by myself if I need to. Yeah, but at least we got the hard part done. We'll so. have the hard part done. That's right. So back to Cacta, what a great back group to, of people. Back to you yeah, having COVID. Fun, Are you going to tell us fun, what it's like? Uh, what a fun trip. Great group of people. Unbelievable. Can you imagine if we spent 14 hours in the truck together and can't give me COVID? Can't give either of us COVID? Yeah, that's what that say. Unless we native blood. Are you, are you? Well, we were working on that uh, conspiracy theory earlier. Yeah, that is just to kill white people. And that because we are descendants long way back of the, uh, the Asians, of the Asians, it's not a program for us. There you go. Wow. But yeah. I mean, it's only Tuesday. So I mean, by Friday, <laughs> if we're fucking laid out upstairs. <laughs> yeah. For almost half dead, then that theory's out the window. Cause but. I do seem to have some little like sniffles that sneak up here and there, but I mean, it's fall in Calgary. It's allergy season. It's drier than fuck. We were stuck in vehicles for almost a whole week. Yeah, through a bunch of different climates. Yeah, dusty too. Yeah, Plus well, we'll see. Plus I feel fine. I'm feel stuck good. in my house for another thirteen, no, twelve days. Twelve days. Twelve days after today. So. Well, I'm going to get out of there sooner than you guys. Then I'm going to be able to leave. I can leave after ten days. Well, is it ten days from when you tested positive, or from ten days since entering Canada? It should be from positive, so that mean, would only mean eight days. Well, no, I'm, I'm going with entering Canada. Yeah. Yeah, I don't get out for a while yet. Is today Monday or Tuesday? You don't get out Tuesday. Till, you don't get out till October 11th. I don't get out till after fucking Thanksgiving, bro. Well, on Thanksgiving. <laughs> you can go out and celebrate Thanksgiving. So thanks for that. No problem. The things I do for you. We really should have just stayed in the States. But yeah, here's the thing, I'm going to get the garage redone, I'm going to get the deck restained, instead of just coming home to a pile of stuff to do and a couple dead cats. Yeah, but if we had stayed in the States... One of my chickens is eaten. <clears throat> well, we don't know that. Well, yeah, we, possibly. We do. I think yeah. But no, yeah, eaten? But we're we're not sure if it was a fox or a dog or some people, but it's, it is gone. There's no way that chicken was leaving the yard and going down the alley. Well, yeah, and your back your back door on the alleyway was open when we got Yeah, there, so, so I think something got in. Yeah. And it's pretty hard to open that thing, too. You know, yeah, but uh, my kid said it was super windy the other day. 
Yeah, it's possible. So you have other chickens, but one of them's missing? One's down. Wow. But anyways, if we stayed in Soap Lake till today, I said to hell with Graham, we could have got back in. We, we would have had our negative tests. Yeah. Wow. Oh, I we thought about that. I thought about you guys leaving me, and uh, no, we thought about it too. Where was, back, oh, we come can, back for me one day. We we thought about it. We didn't talk yeah. about coming back, but we talked come about. We, yeah, we figured you'd be on your own. You got you're a big boy. You can figure. Well, it out. we could have just left them with the snake bros, and they could have sent them home from Texas. Yeah, that's true. We'll I don't think Texas. I could fly back though. I think not you had for to, a had couple to drive of weeks back. after you recovered and you get a negative test. No, I, I don't think you can fly. Uh, Ever again? You did no, say you're know. done. I don't know. <laughs> you just need a negative test, bro. Yeah, that's all you need. Negative you got test. the chat antibodies now. And, he, and even antibodies. Oh, no, it's Never mind. It's PCR test. I thought it was antigen. That's to get to the states. So you got the chatty bodies. Let's hope so, I don't have any, you know, lingering long symptoms. Long COVID, dude. You eat so much fucking horse paste. I think you're going to be just fine. You want to give us your COVID regimen and tell us how you're feeling? I mean, people are going to want to know. Their favorite podcaster is down with the COVID. He's been freaking out after for talking months. After talking so much shit he's, about it. He's manifested COVID. I mean, there's really going to be a conversation had about, manif- about manifestation if grandma's COVID and dare does it because there's no fucking logical explanation. Other than the one that's been taking zinc and crystal constantly to try it, not it's to even gonna, it. It's going to be even funnier if vaccinated Kyle ends up with COVID. And Darren ends up being the only one clean. <laughs> yeah, Especially if I then test for the antibodies, which is my next move. So if I don't have any of this, I'm going to test for the antibodies, see if I've had COVID before. Never had it before. <laughs> I'm going to have to see if they want to make a vaccine out of my blood. Charge or maybe, money for that. Or maybe I could just sell people my blood. Or I could have sex with you for a lot of money. Me? You, I could yeah, save you from blood, COVID right now. You were just talking to say you didn't want to kiss him to get COVID, but you share a lollipop. Now you're going right. all in? Well, he's going to pay me. Oh. Okay, that's fair. I don't think it works like that, though. I think we'll just have to draw the blood, mix it with some stuff, and inject it into people. Doesn't have to be your blood. What? <laughs> they don't know if it's your blood or not. Oh, well, we should keep it honest. For a while. We could dilute it quite a bit. Yeah. Quite a bit. Like a lot, a lot. No, I'm feeling pretty good. It's a, I'm just a little achy and, and tired. It's like, a, I feel like the flu kind of. I think I was like sweating in the night, couple last couple nights a little bit. I felt like I was getting rid of it for the most part, but then I'm still a little tired and achy in the day. Have you puked? But I mean, not much of a cough, like a little tiny cough here and there. And uh, You were coughing quite a bit fine. on the way home. A little, a little bit, not much. Though. You were not coughing. Not you were coughing. Come on, bro. He yeah. has a real problem admitting symptoms. He's yeah. having a real problem. I don't even know what to take seriously. Yeah. Like he's coughing right now. now. Yeah, he's coughing now, and he's coughing on the top. I barely coughing, man. I just fucking... And he didn't have the common decency to put on a mask. <laughs> Or roll, down, believe, or roll down his window. Can you believe he didn't even offer? <laughs> I know. Dude's got COVID. He knows he's got COVID. He's coughing. He doesn't even offer to wear a mask. Yeah, sneezing <laughs> and coughing. It's like. <laughs> he's just condemned us. Yeah. Just completely condemned us to getting COVID. It's yeah. unbelievable. And misery loves company. So yeah. he's like, well, if I got turns, it, I want you guys to have it. So. Turns out. Anyway, so you're feeling fine? What's your regimen? 
or spaced? Uh, well, I mean, I did ivermectin five days in a row, right yeah. at the beginning. The horse stuff. Uh, and then zinc and quercetin and lots of vitamin C, vitamin D. Straight up the horse stuff. There's a little picture of the horse on the label. Um, Some of the vitamins are here. I feel bad for you. I'm not even using them. We are regiments pretty coffee. Coffee in the morning. Hard work. Yeah. I'm on the bong and he's on the wine. Not all day. <laughs> not all day. Just not at night. Till, not till the evening. Yeah. And uh, we'll have a bit of supper and. Uh, We're working on a to do list yeah. to keep us busy. We may or may not grab breakfast. We may or may not grab lunch. Yeah. No vitamins whatsoever. I think we're all considered hospitalizations right now, though. We're not in the hospital. To our health minister. Yeah, but don't you have to be in the hospital? No, no, you have to. No, 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 you have to at least say you have symptoms. Of, if you're sick and you don't test, you go as a hospitalization. I don't know about a hospitalization, but you go as a case. No, yeah, yeah we're considered. She said. She said hospitalization. The thing that I saw. Well, well yeah. he's considered as a case. We would. No, no, I'm considered a hospitalization. But you're not what? in the hospital. No, he's not. He's just he just says whatever he wants. No, to be hospital hospitalization means you're in the hospital. And whether you're ICU or not, no, that's a no, different it number. That's what I'm trying to say. Like it doesn't this is what I'm trying to say. I don't know. Doesn't add up. Yeah. He just <laughs> he drives home from the border after getting a scolding. Hospitalization. Because <clears throat> they tried to send him to the quarantine center. Oh, and plus he's gonna get a fine. I do think you are gonna get a fine. You better talk to the JCCF. Actually, we may get fines, too, for not having a COVID test at all. Nah, we'll just... No, I mean, ours is an easier fight. Totally. I don't think we'll get fined. I think they're going to make an exemplogram. Yeah. Totally. This is what happens when you try to come back to Canada. The, the, the border guard even said she was already talking about enforcement. Yeah. Alberta's top doctor says people homesick are counted in COVID numbers. Yeah, oh. you count it as a case, not as a hospitalization. Yeah, I don't buy it. See, he just it. he just extrapolates whatever he wants from that. <laughs> nope, it's a death. He's looking for any kind of like <laughs> yeah, oh, label yeah, he can yeah, get. Yeah. I'm a, I'm a caseload. I'm a hospitalization. I'm a ICU. Yeah, <laughs> four gram. <laughs> I don't buy it. <laughs> <laughs> don't get us wrong. We love you. We're just you know. So what do you got? We're a couple of days late. You must be backed up on uh, feedback, right? Well, I got a I got a project operation, and I want to talk about a couple synchronicities from the trip. Like you getting COVID? That's not a synchronicity. Good luck. What's that noise? Now I get the antibodies. <laughs> it's military to me. Definitely military. Probably classified too. Dish fire. He was there, he was just doing his little mantra, this isn't happening to me. <laughs> this isn't going to happen to me. Operation Bam. It didn't work, did it? It didn't fucking work one bit. I told you, man, the universe doesn't pick up on those fucking, the, the uh, that not gonna. You just got to think Graham healthy. I did, yeah. You can't well, think, was, grab not COVID, yeah. grab not yeah, COVID, yeah. grab not yeah. COVID, back. <laughs> <laughs> so this is a this is kind of a long one, and it's a bit uh, heavy, but is, it's, is it's it definitely interesting to think. It's not long. To it's think an hour. Of. It's an it was hour. Sent by it's not, my, oh, the, the, uh, the oppo? Yeah. Right. It was sent by a friend to, by a friend to, uh, it's from uh, one of those posts, like one of those, uh, 
probably one of those online forums. So let me know what you think of this. <clears throat> of course, now I've got a dry throat. So longtime lurker and retired strategist for a major left-leaning think tank. To be clear, I never agreed with them and always been quite the sophist and mercenary in the field. I want to let you know what is going on. Politics is war without bloodshed. How do you win a war without fighting? You get your enemy to commit suicide. Bum, bum, bum. Right now, they're getting you to commit suicide by buying into an ideology. That ideology is anti-vaccination. They do this by getting you to join the ideology and then get you ready to defend it. The first step is to make you feel that it's harmful. They did this when the MSM and the elites, your enemies, made a political move to back it. The second step is to make you think it's harmful. You saw evidence that the vaccine is very deadly. The third step is now give you validation to publicly support the ideology. This comes from support from paid opposition, celebrities, and authority figures that also side with your opinion. These people are paid to validate you. Every one of them knows what happens if they were to go out against what's going on. Their career they bled for is over with. They're being instructed to validate you. This method of priming is called ILE, instinct, logic, ego, and emergency. First they, <clears throat> first, they cater to your instinct, then your logic, and finally, they validate your ego so that it becomes publicly acceptable in your social circles to be anti-vaccination. When these three areas of the human psyche are opposed by an ideology, a person will now be able to act upon. The final part of the process that seals the deal is E, emergency. This step creates a sense of emergency so that you act and fight for your ideology. This is where disinformation comes in. As of right now, you are being prepared to think that they are coming to put you in FEMA camps or to round you up and exterminate you. You are being primed to think that anything from a zombie apocalypse or a massive blackout or a market crash or a World War III is going to happen. Even if you don't believe these things or they seem unrelated to taking the vaccine, they are creating a combined effect. These multiple psychological operations create a clear message for you in your subconscious mind. Your enemies are at war with you, and you need to fight against it by supporting your ideology. None of these things are coming. The goal of any government in Western civilization is never to collapse the society. It is to reshape it. This reshaping is far more boring than any of the doomsday scenarios you are being told that will come to fruition. They don't want to kill you. They want to mute you. So that you can accomplish, so that they can accomplish their plans without disruption. The word mute is the name of a sophisticated operation that is more so a shared philosophy amongst various organizations that are currently opposing you. To mute you, they're just going to stop you from participating in society so that you have absolutely no power. They all have their own strategy to do this, but the overall goal is still the same. They are trying to mute you. This operation was started in a very f powerful, well-funded think tank, passed along for critique and game theory-esque modeling to several other think tanks, my own included, and then it was finally approved for the initial one for implementation. What happens during implementation is that members of backing organizations, the money people, i.e. Greek finance, go to the heads of relevant organizations such as activist groups and corporations that are in the pocket and give presentations on social goals they want these people to carry out. 
The heads do what they want or risk working relationships and funding. Most of the time, they are already on the same mindset and are ready to sign on. They get everybody agreed to mute you in some shape or form. While this is going on, the initial think tank that initiated the operation carries out a series of actions, covert and also out in the open, that coincide with this. These events are masterminded by a small group of people, and then they are put out to think tanks like the one I worked for in vague action strategies, the same way the military operations are suggested. They pose a question they want a very specific answer to. What would happen if a plane were to be used in a terrorist attack against the nation? We all come to the same relative conclusion and produce the mundane answer of, well, it would probably start a war. They got the answer they wanted. They pay us and then start the dual process of telling the heads of certain organizations and corporations to push the idea that we need to go to war with terrorists in the Middle East while simultaneously hiring Israeli art students to do something to trigger a war. To simplify this even further, they come up with a plan, get us experts to vet it to see if it will work, and then they use every asset at their disposal to go to work and pull the plan off. This operation that I'm referring to as MUTE came from a place that is known in D.C. for getting presidents into office. The fundamental problem in question, in so many words, was what would happen if fascism were to reemerge in the United States of America? This was what was posed to my think tank in 2009. What does that mean? It means that Trump being made fun of at the correspondence dinner, Trump's victory, COVID-19 being released in his final year, and the stolen election were all planned nearly a decade in advance. Does that make sense now? Everything that has been happening is just a well-orchestrated, multifaceted strategy to mute the fascists, i.e. the opposition, you. To know the exact details of what is really going on, you need to have friends high up. If you look at the people who sold off certain stocks before COVID hit the U.S. or even made local news in the outbreak areas of China, you'll get the idea of how many people are in the know to these things. At the very least, hundreds are often in the covert ops that are about to go down. So consider me a friend with some friends, because I'm going to let you know what they're going to do to you. The goal is simply to mute you and cut you off from society so that you have absolutely no power to shape society. They get you to become an anti-vaccination and then implement mandates that will make it so that every single private company and government facility will not help you. This stops you from communicating your ideas. It stops you from obtaining money to build your own platforms to communicate your ideas. It stops people from joining your movement because they don't want to become an outcast. And lastly, it stops you from voting and funding people who can change the laws. What will happen next is that many of you will become outcasts until 2024. During this time, you'll see vaccinated people become healthy. A small percentage will still get killed off because the vaccine is indeed deadly and has already been projected to do this. But the media will hide it. Eventually, COVID and all its variants will become a thing of the past, and so will the vaccines. Biden will win his second term against Trump. The mandates are going to lift in the spring of 2024, and you will be able to rejoin society. By this time, America will become largely what they have wanted, which is a communist state. Lastly, the picture. From my time in D.C. and New York, I've learned that a lot of these people behind these events are card-carrying Satanists. Many of them practice witchcraft and believe that channeling energy to hell will ensure their plans succeed. The spirit-cooking parties are 100% real, 
And those email leaks about them were not planned. Someone actually leaked them. As for child trafficking and sacrifice, I've heard it's also real. You have the right to know that these kinds of people that are orchestrating these events. So there you go. Project Mute. Is that from Q? I don't think so. No? No. I don't know, though. Well, I can I do the 2024. That's no problem. Yeah. That, but, that's like, but, I can um, do that standing on my head. <laughs> but otherwise, that was, that was just a bowl of... You for another three years, no problem. Oh, yeah. I've been an outcast for a few years already, running into COVID. Yeah. Anyways, that was just a real bowl of butterflies, though, wasn't it? Well, yeah, I warned you. It's pretty heavy. But well, I it think got, it's fine. It did get me thinking. I like, mean, what's the know? problem? It makes sense. So. I don't see a problem with that. I don't need any of that stuff. I could do the 2024, and I could rejoin. As long as they don't shut off the podcast, that'd be a motherfucker. Yeah, and then that would suck. Yeah, then I'd have to kill Graham so I could have all the book money. You have to go through me since I'm vaccinated somehow. I got you. Yeah. I keep a knife under the table. So that was the first time my voice went dry. Is that the first time? Yeah. This is why you can't narrate? I guess. I don't know. I haven't tried yet. You haven't tried? just trying to heal. GrabAmerica.ca slash support if you want to help uh, support Graham's path to healing. Can I, try, can I just say the synchronicities quickly? Or? Well, can I finish what I'm doing first? Okay, sure. sure. You can just fucking wait. GrabAmerica.ca slash support if you can, when you can, sign up for monthly. Uh, and a lot of people are under the illusion that this is a free podcast. It's not. Graham's horse paste fund. Graham could use more horse paste. He has to get it shipped in from the States. Make sure you support. No, um, I myself is our. Maybe you have a horse. Yeah, I'm a Patreon and you supporter. Have some Wait. extra horse paste around. You could just send some horse paste to the mm-hmm. PO box. That counts. Cash is better though. Grammarica.ca/support. Sign up for a monthly today. Give some value back for the value you're getting from the show. Make a one-time donation if it suits you. Head over to AdultBrain.ca if you want to get on that audiobook train. Get some of the audiobooks we've been rocking. Um. Isis Unveiled Volume 1 just came out this week. So you can go get some of that. All three of the secret doctrines, secret teachings of all ages, Hamlet's Mill, another big one, adultbrain.ca, canadianshame.ca to hit up my book or audiobook. What else we got? I think that's it. We got got Graham's uh, synchronicities so these are your synchronicities or these are other people's synchronicities that you wrote down or is this just a string of stuff that you consider a synchronicity from the trip sure sure that was kind of a, a question that i thought well i i, I think I it was a rhetorical to, question so i'm not really gonna well let's see one of the two you. are they other people's synchros or yours it's it's mine <laughs> I want a good skull from a synchronicity Graham reads it out, then Dara might give it to me Hey, don't you please read it low, yeah, yeah Is that, uh is that off? I can't, can't tell. There you go. So anyways, I'm traveling to Vancouver. And um, I stopped for gas. Without COVID. 
This is pre-COVID. I stopped for gas. Yeah, it's pre-COVID. And I and I'm at the gas station DC. and I see this guy kind of with his mask under underneath his nose and and I've got mine and we kind of look at each other and he's like Graham. I'm like, oh hey, and uh, it's two people there that I used to work with, and they they we bumped into each other in the middle of BC. Did they know that you're an anti-vaxxing conspiracy podcaster now? Yeah. Yeah. They did know that? And they, and they, uh, they were just talking about me before I bumped into them. Oh boy. What were they saying? Just wondering how I was. I don't know. We didn't get into that. I didn't get into asking them. So what were you saying about me? They were just (laughs) talking about me. And then we bumped into each other. Oh, man, that Dunlop is in too deep. (laughs) And the the last time I saw them was when I was driving to Vancouver and stopped in Kamloops. So it's very strange. Who was it? Do I know? Yeah, you do. But I'll, I'll just leave that for later. So the other one is, so we're traveling around with Randall. We bumped into uh, someone. And this guy, this guy who has this YouTube channel, I think it's um, Casey Travel Adventuring. No, no, no it wasn't Casey's. Some guy that just. So we bump in. We bumped as as we were touring through uh, one of the big uh, coolies. Some guy that's seen the itinerary online. No, some guy that saw Randall out of the corner of his eye in the van. Oh no, you guys got fucking uh, crashed, man. People saw he, so he saw Randall. He saw oh, Randall yeah. and on his on his uh, on the, in the van, and he he the reason why he was there doing his YouTube channel was because of Randall. So he was blown away because he was in the spot doing. He does these like music things in in this geologically special areas and extreme extreme sports and stuff. Was he, and he was in that girlfriend? area because of Randall? So he totally knew knew Randall's work and all that, and he actually just happened to catch Randall in the bus. He's like, is that actually Randall? So he came up and said hi to us, and it was pretty pretty cool. Was he with his girlfriend? No. We ran into a fellow in the bar that I also think was a crasher. I'm trying to he's find like, it. Where'd you get that shirt, man? And Dick Meister was like, uh, at the Which event. Bar? You went to the bar? Yes. There was only one bar in town. There was only one thing in town. It was that in the grocery store. That's it. Yeah, because uh, there was no one around. So I went in the bar and I found, I actually peered in the window of the bar and I seen Dick and Henry and Bruce in there. So I went and sat with them. Uh, Dick said, what were we talking about again? The shirt. Oh, he said, uh, we're at a Randall Carlson event. But it was like, oh my God. But his girlfriend had this little smirk on her face. Like they were there to, they were there to bump into Randall. You know? Wow. Apparently they had some uh, stalkers down in Arizona as well. Because they posted the exact itinerary online. Yeah. And all of a sudden there was just some people. We, we post the itinerary online, then we move a couple days around. What you got to do these days? Yeah. All right. So that what else you got? That your that's it. That's it. Those are your yeah. synchros. Wow. So you bumped yeah. into someone. So and Randall know. bumped into someone. And Randall bumped into someone. So, I mean, I don't know what to do with that. 
Uh, I can't don't do anything with it. I can't, I, yeah, I don't I care. Can't. I'm not looking for a rating or anything. I'm, I'm just just I'm just thought it was appropriate because it's both about the trip and both. Sort well, of I mean, bumping into people. I think you know? we're like cheapening up the term synchronicity here with just bumping into people. <sighs> Dude, when you bump into somebody out of the blue in the middle of nowhere and they're talking about you, I mean, that's worth a fucking 9.5. There's like one road in and out of BC, man. Yeah. Now, if you're talking about him and wondering if he's going to get COVID. Yeah. If he had COVID. That's, I think that rates Not only that, it's just like them saying, hey, we were just talking about you. I mean, it might have been an hour ago, might have been a month ago. I mean, it, who knows, man? Who knows? I can't, I can't. I can't. I can't validate that. You just bumped into someone, man. I'm not going to tell my own synchronicities anymore on the show. Uh, Wow, I'd hate. I would love to actually see the book of what Graham considers synchronicity. Wonder how long it would be. Uh, He's like, I thought about the phone ringing. Then it just rang. (laughs) (laughs) Not that there's anybody on the other side. It's just—it's just going to ring. It's magic. Speaking of magic, enjoy the chat. Dr. Dean Raiden. Tonight, we've got Dean Raiden, PhD, with us. He's the chief scientist at ionsnoetic.org. And his latest book, uh, Real Magic, Ancient Wisdom, Modern Science, and a Guide to the Secret Power of the Universe. Dean's been studying psi research uh, for decades. And uh, it's great to have you on, Dean. Thanks for joining us. Glad to be here. Yeah, it's uh, I've, we've we've been following your work on and off for years, and it's finally good to finally chat chat with you. I read your book there, Real Magic. It was fantastic. It's uh, really interesting to see somebody who's done so much research into psi actually go down that sort of magic road, and and uh, even the history of it and all that. But I figured, I figured before like before we get into that that thing, I was wondering if we should start with uh, some of the stuff you're doing at Ions. There, I was reading your your recent uh, or some of your your experiments and the, the science that you guys are doing there and it seems very very uh leading edge you know noetic signature stuff lucid dreams channeling research i mean i think that's just fascinating that that you guys are doing doing i think what's the most important research out there now is to is to start looking at some of this stuff seriously yeah so our our research tends to reflect the interests of the people on the team so we, we have uh, a team of um, multidisciplinary for the first thing and uh, quite experienced, both in uh, traditional areas and in uh, areas that might be considered psychic. And so my, my own 
interests are partially, well, actually all of our interests overlap. But what I tend to focus on is a study we're just finishing up now that involved uh, looking at mind-matter interaction, but the kinds of studies we do are sometimes called psychokinetic. You know, it's a mind-matter interaction effect. Um, when you look at the history of that, there's a huge number. There's probably two dozen different kinds of experiments that people have done where the target of the mental influence is everything from photons to cells in vitro to animal behavior to human behavior, human physiology, huge range. And so I've done lots of those kinds of experiments. Uh, but ultimately, after looking at the evidence, you can kind of get the sense that something is happening. The mind is influencing some aspect of the external world. But the very next thing that most people then ask is, well, how does that work? Well, the, the truth is we don't know how it works. Uh, you, you can start diving into different philosophical uh, models of reality to give you a sense. That's what I talked about in, in my book, Real Magic. Uh, from the esoteric perspective, the reason why all these things work is because everything emerges out of consciousness. It's what a, a philosopher would call idealism. And that may be true. It's possible, in which case, if that is true, then we have consciousness and we should have some creative ability to make the world the way that we want it to work. To work. But there's another possibility. The other possibility is when you, you look at the, the history of science, at one time, uh, basically everybody believed that everything was being controlled or operated by spirits. Like the whole, everything was supernatural because they didn't have explanations for anything else. Well, it may be true here as well, that there are aspects of the mind that are related in some way to, uh, to our best physical explanations at this point, which is quantum mechanics. Quantum mechanics does not explain these phenomena, but if you look at the uh, changes in history and physics over time, you see that the arrow that it's pointing is actually pointing directly, I think, at these kinds of phenomena. And it's, I mean, still not well understood about the fundamentals of quantum mechanics in terms of what it means. But one of the reasons why I've been moving towards targets uh, for psychokinetic targets to be quantum, either individual photons or the way that groups of photons behave, or more recently entangled photons, is because it allows us to probe into quantum mechanics and see whether or not the mind is actually necessary. So that's that's the, the direction of research that I've been paying most attention to. Oh, that's super interesting. Have you have you fig- found anything out with that yet so far? Well, I think we do see evidence that the mind does play a role in uh, what used to be called the collapse of the wave function. And most recently, it looks like the mind plays a role in terms of the degree to which entanglement uh, persists, or you might say the, the fidelity of entanglement. So entanglement is not an all-or-one phenomenon. It's, there's a spectrum of entanglement strength. Uh, and so what we see is that the mind appears to be able to modulate the strength of entanglement. Which is really interesting because any kind of psychokinetic effect is dealing with non-local mind, right? It's not your mind in your body. It's your mind and something else over there. And entangled, entangled photons are a non-local form of matter or energy. 
So this is the first time that we've done an experiment looking at non-local mind interacting with non-local matter. And it looks like there's a relationship there too. So the, the real reason for doing that experiment is a little bit more obscure in the sense that what we're looking at is something called a Cyrelson bound, named after this Russian mathematician called Boris Cyrelson. So he, he calculated based on the mathematics of quantum mechanics that there's an upper limit to entanglement. It can only be so strong. And beyond that, the mathematics won't allow it to be any stronger. So what we wanted to see is, first of all, if the mind could modulate entanglement, could it push it above the Cyrelson bound? Because if it can, it would essentially provide a proof of principle that uh, quantum mechanics is not the end of physics, that whatever the next level is, it's going to require something about the mind. So that's, that's why we did this experiment. We were not able to go beyond the Cyrelson bound, but we saw that with better equipment, we actually might be able to. So that could also explain why, you know, you you might be able to heal through lucid dreaming or astral the astral realm, that kind of thing, because of this entanglement. I mean, is that how? Because we had it. We had Robert Wagner on a, a few years ago, and we also had one of my all time favorite episodes was this guy who's like an expert astral traveler. I mean, and he would do he he would do healing from that realm, and I I kind of tried a couple little experiments with myself, and it and it felt like there was something there to it. Um, but it's super hard for me to reach that sort of hypnagogic, like that state. I can't really do it very easy. But is that, is that the same principle behind that? Well, all of this is getting down to the idea of does your mind actually causally affect the world at large? Right. It's about is, is there something like a force like effect that you think about the world, either as an affirmation, a prayer, whatever it is. Does it actually change something at a distance? Well, it sort of looks like it does. I mean, that's kind of what these experiments are about. But it turns out that there's an alternative explanation, which has to do with precognition. So it's purely perceptive. Uh, and it's very, very difficult to discriminate between a psychic perception effect and a what might be called a psychic action effect, a causal effect. So we, I, I actually think that what's going on is that... Uh, when we influence something at a distance, part of it is through psychic perception. You perceive something at a distance. The perception alone may cause it to change, whatever that physical system is. Um, but I also think that there's something coming back backwards in time. It's as though we have a forward push and a backwards pull happening at the same time, and that's why things change. That sounds easy to say, but to then do an experiment that demonstrates it, I've done one such experiment like that, and then it does support this notion that there's some kind of push-pull going on in time, uh, but but ultimately we don't know yet. Like a magnet? Like, well, like, like two, a like a south pole and north pole of a magnet sort of repelling each other, and we're just stuck in the middle of that, flying through space at a million miles an hour? Well, so that, that would be a metaphorical way of thinking about it, yeah. Excellent. Yeah, so there... There's separate experiments that look at retrocausation. So if, if you, this is the idea that in the future, you can affect something that occurred in the past. And so that has been done. There's like two dozen experiments like that, and that works. So it, it, we already know from those experiments that the idea of now influencing something that happened before is possible. 
So if you take that and you take experiments which are trying to influence something in the future, you can kind of see how there's sort of a reverberation or a resonance between future and past that cause things to happen now. Yeah, and that reminds me about that, uh, like the synchronicity chats we always have where we're trying to tell, is, it, is the synchronicity actually a precognitive thing or is it, are you creating that future? Right. It's, and maybe it's both. Yeah. I mean, right? So we, we spend a lot of time trying to figure out, is it this or it that? And sometimes when you reach an impasse where you really can't tell one or the other, the actual answer is it's not this or that. It's actually both of them. Wow. Well, I think the way that I like to think of it is it's like a really good synchronicity is uh, it's like um, it's a reflection of a future emotion or something like that. Well, that's like the Eric Wargo uh, sort of hypothesis. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm, I'm an empiricist. I, I listen to the theories that people have and try to come up with a way of testing it. Uh, and some of it I've been able to test. And uh, these exotic ways of thinking about things, forward and backwards in time, well, there's some evidence suggesting that that is what's happening. What and if, of course, the forward causal effects are easy to think of, about because that's the way we experience the world. We usually don't think about things happening backwards in time. So uh, it will make your brain hurt to start thinking about how you can affect something that, uh, in the past. Right. It, and notice that I didn't say change the past. That is, that's almost certainly not what happens. Once something happens in the past and it's registered, it's not going to change, I think. But, but influencing the past is quite different. So you can influence something which is not, in a sense, hardened, right? It's not already known by everybody. It's a gazillion things happening all the time that nobody's paying attention to. So it's those kinds of things that I think actually can be manipulated from the future. Oh, that's fascinating. So speaking about synchronicities, what do you what what would you consider your synchronicity then? That ha- I mean, it's probably the most mind blowing one that I've heard of or that we've heard of. We've talked that we have people writing in their synchronicities to us all the time. And we talk about them on the show all the time, but do you, have you, have you tried to analyze yours? Was it sort of a manifestation thing? I mean, it's pretty mind blowing and maybe, maybe, and maybe the, you can tell it. Yeah. The one that I, I talk about in yeah. real magic. Yeah. Well, yeah, that was a, a pretty strange synchronicity in retrospect. And I'm a little surprised that I didn't freak out even more. Yeah. Right. I mean, because now when I think about it, when it happened, I say, what What in the world was going on there? And I do remember some disorientation at the time, but it wasn't as severe as when I now think of how in the world did that happen? So the, the short story is uh, we needed to find an office to create a, um, a nonprofit sci research facility. It, it was in Silicon Valley where rents are very high. So we went out into the periphery and found uh, an office park where, where we could get a, a nice spot. So we got that spot. So I, uh, it was mostly empty. We had almost no furniture except for my office. We, we had like five rooms and I was setting up my office and I had a whiteboard. And on the whiteboard, I was drawing what I wanted to fill up with the rest of the rooms, most of which was would be a laboratory with a certain kind of certain kind of equipment in the laboratory and a certain shape and electromagnetic shielding and the whole thing. So I'd spent a fair amount of time doing that on the board and pretty much empty otherwise, because we had other people working, but they weren't there full time. So I was there most of the time myself. 
So I, I would go to work uh, in a certain path and just like immediately go into, into the office. I didn't need to see the rest of the offices, but we lived close enough. So I was able to walk to work. So one day I walked to work and I would approach the office from a different direction. And I noticed a little sign on the office next to us that said SciQuest Lab. So, of course, the, the coincidence is that we're doing Sci Research, and this was spelled the right way, PSI Quest Labs. And I thought, well, that's, that's funny. That's a good coincidence because I'm doing Sci Research, but there's no way in the world they're doing Sci Research like I am because there's like five facilities in the entire world that are doing this. And nobody other than the people in our organization knew that we were creating this nonprofit. So this wasn't like somebody could have figured it out. Nobody knew. So I looked in the windows. It had mini blinds and you just barely see through the mini blind to see if there was someone in there because I wanted to introduce myself and discuss the, uh, the coincidence. There was no one there. So over the next month or so, I occasionally would, would go look next door. Is anybody there? Most of the time, I never saw anybody. One time I did. So I knock on the door. There's a man I can see coming to the to the door. He opens the door. He's about to say something, I can tell. And, and he paused and he looked ill, actually. So I stuck up my hand and said, uh, hello, uh, I'm your neighbor. I'm. And he said, Dean Radin. Well, I was disoriented because I didn't you know, I don't know who this, who this guy is. And I didn't know how he knew who I was because our names aren't listed anywhere. So as it turns out, the reason that he looked quite ill or, or like white as a ghost kind of thing uh, is because he had been doing a Tibetan dream yoga exercise, which is about manifesting. And it works by uh, for three hours you're awake and, and, and consciously intentionally wanting to get something. And then you carry that intention into three hours sleeping. So you do this cycle, three hours, three hours, all the way around 24 hours. And by the third or fourth cycle, you're, you're getting a little nutty, right? Because you're, you're sleep deprived and it's difficult to tell the difference between are you awake now? Are you sleeping now? So everybody was getting into it. So I, I said, well, that, that's, that's interesting. What, what are you trying to manifest? Me. He was trying to figure out a way of having me contact him or at least getting information about how to contact me because he wanted to, me to be on his board of directors of his business. Well, what is your business? Cyber search. What do you mean by cyber search? What you're doing. He was, so he was a, an employee at Apple who had, had done very well and cashed out and wanted to do what he always wanted to do, which was to create a cyber research laboratory, which he did. That's what it was. So I thought, well, that's pretty strange. So then the second level of strangeness is, uh, he said, well, do you want to see the lab that I've built? Sure. So I go into the lab, and then it's my turn to turn white, because what he had in his lab, which was adjacent to the wall where I was drawing what I wanted, that's what was there. It was a shielded room. It had certain equipment in it. It was as I was imagining. So I was pulling towards me this facility. He was pulling me towards him. And so we end up literally adjacent to each other in the same facility. Uh, how, do, how do I explain that? Well, I use the metaphor of gravity because it's almost as though we're, we're all orbiting bodies. 
right? If we increase the gravity that we have, we will pull things towards us. We'll start orbiting around and on occasion collide. We both had strong intention. We're both trying to pull and we almost literally, well, we sort of did collide. I ended up at the same place at the same time. Um, and, and there you have it. So again, in retrospect, in thinking about the, the number of things that would have had to have occurred for that kind of connection to happen is from a probabilistic perspective, really small. So it's synchronistic, yes, because we weren't consciously trying to get the other person, right? I, I knew what I wanted, but I didn't know that it was on the other side of the wall. And he knew he wanted to contact me, but had no idea even where I was. That's why he was so shocked when he opened the door, because he made me appear. So among other things, when you have that kind of a synchronicity, you immediately start thinking about, I think I have free will, right? I, I think I chose that office. I think I knocked on the door. I think, you know, I, I did this all freely. Apparently not as freely as I thought because he, he was pulling me. So yeah. those are the considerations that happen when you have that kind of experience. Yeah, that's fascinating. That's a good one, eh, Darren? That's pretty good. Are you still <laughs> working with them? Uh, I'm in contact. Actually, I got an email from him uh, that, that took place over 20, 22, 23 years ago. But I got an email uh, within about the past month where he's, uh, for a long time, he set it aside and I was going back to do cyber search again. So uh, we ended up not working closely together while we were there. Uh, we were friendly, you know, we'd talk to each other and share ideas and stuff, but we didn't end up working together, which also was kind of strange in retrospect. I mean, we were right there. He had facilities. We were doing the same thing. So I, I don't know, maybe both of us got freaked out and and sort of in, you know, mentally kind of set it aside because otherwise, yeah, it, it was strange. So what's the, uh, what's the noetic signature that, that uh, you guys have as a research project on your ION site? This is a survey, uh, which is uh, where we ask questions to find out what are you likely to be good at psychically? And one of the, the impetus for this was we did a survey um, now about a year ago, maybe two years ago, where we wanted to see, uh, there, there are lots of questionnaires that people do about beliefs about the paranormal. And the majority of people around the world believe in all kinds of things about the paranormal. And in particular, we're interested in psychic phenomena. Well, the majority believe in one thing or the other. But we were more interested in what do scientists and engineers think? But not in terms of what they believe, because when you go through a, a scientific training, you're either never talk about this topic or you are definitely trained to believe it's all bullshit. So we wanted to know, well, OK, let's not ask about belief. Let's ask about what you've experienced. So we made a questionnaire with 25 descriptions of things that happened to people without using psychic terms. Like you, the phone rang and you knew who was on the other end of the line. You felt somebody staring at you. You turned around and they saw you. That, those kinds of experiences without trying to cast it into any particular psychic form. So not surprisingly, something like 93% of the general public said, yeah, they had experienced at least one of those 25 things. And on average, about seven of the 25. So regardless of what they may believe, they have personal experience with these kinds of phenomena. Then, to our surprise, 94% of the scientists and engineers also agreed that they had experienced at least one thing, and on average, eight, even more than the general population. 
So this kind of confirmed to us that uh, almost everyone at some point or another will have an experience which if they described it and you said, well, what is that? You say, well, it's the psychic experience, you know, we give a label. So it's very, very common. So this questionnaire then would say, okay, a lot of people experience all kinds of strange things that are psychic. What would be, what's, what is the most likely form in which it manifests for you? Like if you wanted to develop psychic ability, everyone seems to have some inherent ability. What would be the best? So, this is a survey then that comes out with what amounts to your signature, so-called, of you'd be really good at this thing and not so good at this and so on. So that's what that's the result you'd get after taking that questionnaire. Yeah, that's interesting. I I think that the, the this materialistic paradigm we're living in, I feel like it's a bit of schizophrenia. You know, we've got all, all the people, most of the people that we know and that we love would would say that they've had these or they know people that have had strange experiences, unexplained experiences. And mm-hmm. and yet we're still living in this materialistic paradigm, which I think is falling apart. I mean, over the last even 10, 20 years, I feel like it's really cracking, uh, cracking open. Uh, would you notice that too uh, from, from what you've been doing? Well, keep in mind that science and technology are completely based on materialism as, as a, a way of thinking about reality. And, and the reason why it is, it's taught in the academic world, this is worldwide, it's taught this way, is because it's extremely effective, right? Materialism is what gives us the technology to do this interview. And, and basically most of the rest of the modern world, based on these ideas. Uh, one of the concerns I hear from more conservative colleagues is that all this psychic stuff is impossible. It can't possibly be true because if it was true, it would change everything and we'd have to throw away all our textbooks and start over again. <laughs> so that's, that's an expression of fear. And I, I've heard this many times. And so I, I remind them that you, you need to step out of the discipline, step even all the way out of academia for a while and, and begin to see that science rests on a set of assumptions. And when you're, t- you're typically go through a scientific curriculum, you're not taught that it's sitting on philosophy, right? It's, it's sitting on a philosophical set of assumptions. Most of them are right. They work. But it's not completely right. But where does it begin to fail? It fails largely on things that we call paranormal, right? They're not normal yet. They're flittering about somewhere else. That includes psychic phenomena. The difference between most of the paranormal phenomena and psychic phenomena is that we can test psychic effects in the laboratory. So we can use the same methods that give us confidence about materialism, apply it to these kinds of phenomena, and we find we can get very high confidence that some of these effects are real. They're not accommodated by the assumptions. That means that there's something about materialism as a, as a universal explanation that's not right. But most of it is right. So you think about the way that, that science has developed. It's, it comes up with a theory about something, whatever it is. And then whatever that discipline is, it keeps going for a while. And somebody realizes, oh, this doesn't really explain this thing. So what happens? They expand the set of assumptions. They don't throw away the old one because it worked pretty good. They expand it. We don't throw away classical physics. We, de- we develop new kinds of physics. Well, the same, I think, is happening for, for science at large. Uh, people are beginning to recognize there's all kinds of strange things associated with consciousness, maybe with quantum phenomena too, 
that requires an expansion of what we were calling materialism. Because, I mean, just think about the, the nature of matter from a quantum perspective. It's nothing like matter from a classical perspective. Most people don't worry about it too much, although it's still called pretty weird. It's weird because it requires an expansion of what we think physicality is. So at some point, I, I think there's a, there's a good possibility that what we currently call consciousness and psychic phenomena and a whole range of strange things will eventually be described in, in a much more comprehensive way that we will call science, but it won't look like today's science. It'll be a, a pretty big expansion, and it will have to involve the mind in some way. Which, like you mentioned in your book, in the Real Magic book, I mean, they've, they've, been do, they've been looking at this stuff for thousands of years. I mean, what was it like for you to be doing decades of research into science and, and then dipping into this, this real magic from, from sort of an occult and, and uh, esoteric perspective going back into history? I mean, that must have been really interesting. Well, the, the spark for it came from my previous book called Supernormal. So supernormal was the same kind of idea. If you look at the esoteric literature, but from the Eastern perspective. So I, I used classical yoga as, as the entree there. And as it turns out in classical yoga, the Yoga Sutras by Patanjali, that he, he encapsulated the whole process of what we now think of as classical yoga in four little books. And book number three, I think, either two or three, I think it's book three of the Yoga Sutras, is all about the development of the cities. So city is a, uh, a Sanskrit term which meant attainment, sometimes translated as perfection. But based from our perspective, it is psychic ability. So this is presented in a book that's about mostly about uh, meditation and mental stuff, not, not what we see as, uh, as calisthenics, which is modern yoga, so somewhere you know between... Uh, gymnastics and calisthenics is a lot of modern yoga. But the, the essence of it is all about meditation. It's about mental training. And, and the yoga sutras then say that if you do a sufficient amount of mental training and you get into a state called samadhi, which a magician would call gnosis, that you are able to do certain things. And so if you want to develop the power of telepathy, it gives you a recipe of how to do that. So this is written thousands of years ago you could look at it today from the point of view of it's like a comic book. It's, you know, if you want to weigh the amount like an elephant, well, this is how you would do that. So much of what potentially was writing about, we know now is true. So then like three quarters of the book is true. Well, what, what is, what kind of a strange comic book is this other piece of the book, which is talking about psychic powers, many things beyond what we see today. So he was either fantasizing or writing his fiction or something. I don't think so. So I wrote this book, Supernormal, to kind of review the, the different kinds of powers that he talked about and say, is there any way to think using modern scientific methods that those powers might be real? The answer is yes. So the next book, I took the Western esoteric traditions. And for, for there, it's exactly the same as the Eastern, except we give it a different name. So it's not cities. It's magical practice. Uh, it's not samadhi. It's gnosis. But the parallels are very clear. So I figured because the people in the West are, are more comfortable with magic now because of Harry Potter and all the movies and everything, 
Uh, I figured it would appeal more than a book about yoga because there are not that many people interested in especially classical yoga. <clears throat> so, so that's why I wrote it because I already known for, for many years that uh, the classic magical uh, abilities and practices are exactly what we have been studying in the lab. We just use different terms. Well, did it surprise you at how in-depth the history of, of it was? No. No, no I mean, the, 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 the surprising part actually is that modern science is only a couple hundred years old. And these kinds of things have been are 10,000 or more years old. It's, it's what we have collectively have assumed to be the case for a very long time. And by the way, that those assumptions were not based on dogma that somebody explained, you must have faith in this. It was based on personal experience, most of that driven by either meditation or psychedelics. That's where it came from. And that's why even today, you'll find people who do meditation and people who take psychedelics who talk about exactly the same transformative experiences that they did when humans got out of the trees. Yeah. What about um, manifestation and stuff like that? Have you, have you done much experiments on that on a personal level and, and how that works, if you can expand that out over multiple people? Well, it, manifestation in the laboratory would be called an experiment in psychokinesis. It's mind-matter interaction. So you can make a, a statement then that the experiment we did using entangled photons was an exercise in manifestation. So I, I wanted a certain result to show up. And we had subjects come into the lab and they did certain things. And sure enough, we got it. So that's, that's magic, basically, right? Because we don't have a good theory for it yet. Uh, so I, I generally view, while I've, I've done things myself as an individual, uh, I trust the laboratory experiments more, even than my own experience. Because it's easy to fool yourself. It's, it's easier to, to remember things incorrectly and so on. By the way, for the synchronicity I described about the lab, I wrote it down at the time because I, this is so bizarre. I will forget this. So I have, have the, the, it written down within about a day of it happening. So I'm pretty sure that's right. But for other things, like big, strange things that happen, we either forget or we confabulate it or something. It kind of fades. Whereas in the laboratory, we're collecting data and the data don't go away. And we, we set it up in a controlled condition. So we know that if something unusual happens, we know how to analyze it to see that it actually happened. And then we write it up and we share it with our colleagues. And if we're lucky, sometimes they'll replicate it. And the replication is important because we, now we know it wasn't just a, uh, a fluke, but it's something that others can do as well. So that, that's why I tend to, to while you, you have to pay attention to your own experience, otherwise it'll drive you nuts but I put more confidence on what we can actually see in the laboratory. Yeah. I was just going to ask what about taking that out of the lab into some spiritual practice, you know, um, most spiritual practices say you will eventually gain magical abilities. Don't dwell on it. It's, it's other than a few magical traditions. Most of the spiritual traditions say, don't mess around with magic. Don't mess around with spirits. Don't mess. Get, all that stuff is real. Don't play with it. And in a sense, I think it makes sense because uh, you can encounter these kinds of phenomena pretty early on as you're developing. Uh, 
And they're attractive. They're seductive, right? Because power is seductive. And if you're not ready for it, you, you could probably do pretty good damage to yourself and the people around you. So th- I think the, the advice that comes down through the ages is first learn how to be stable and grounded. Uh, then learn how to sustain Gnosis or Samadhi for as long as you wish. Then get enlightened. And then maybe on occasion, if you need to manifest something, you can do it. But don't start with that as a goal. Yeah, that's, that's really interesting. Yeah. We, I mean, I was, that's kind of leads into my next question. I was going to ask you about, you know, it, now that, now that the internet's here and, and everybody is interested in the occult and magic and, uh, you know, which, which only maybe in the past, the initiated or the adepts would have really known about, but now it's for everybody. Everybody's interested. I mean, do you, can you speculate on how that's going to change our, our, our culture, like through sort of like a global consciousness kind of thing, if everybody's being aware of this or, or uh, playing around with it? I think in order to, in order to become adept at this, you'd need two things. First of all, you need talent. And so uh, everybody could play tennis a little bit, but not very many people are going to win at Wimbledon. Right. So natural talent, you, you either have it or you don't. Uh, in this domain, I would guess that uh, talent, especially manifestation type talent, is pretty rare. Like maybe one in a hundred thousand, maybe one in a million. Wow! Actually, have a strong ability to do this. Every everyone else can do it to some extent, but it's quite weak. And if you think about what what needs to happen to manifest something, if you're pushing against eight billion other people who are thinking, "Oh no, you don't." It, you could be the most powerful magician in the world and still won't work. So I use that as an example sometimes. I'd say, let's let's imagine that you really wanted to manifest a gold-plated Mercedes that simply shows up in your driveway and somehow it's yours. Well, it's, it's possible. Just thinking about it, making a sigil, doing rituals, doing all kinds of stuff, it actually increases the probability that that's going to happen. But if you start with a probability that's one in a trillion against chance, you have to be pretty powerful to pull it up to making it happen. So, so that's kind of, that's kind of the same analogies. That's why you're like, I can't fly because it's just fucking with too many other people, but I can like subtly manipulate reality through other channels that, that could involve other people. Like maybe other people are working at the company you manifested, or maybe, you know, they're using the thing that you created and stuff like that, but you can't you can't just like go blasting in the matrix and changing stuff up too much because it's just too hard on the programming. Other people will notice it. Yeah, that's what that's like how it. I look at it is you have to be able to manifest without right. affecting other people. Yes. And and it's not a coincidence that within the sorcery traditions that you never reveal your secrets and you always do it in secret. Right. So like the idea today that you can buy a grimoire that has a whole bunch of spells in it, that would have horrified any genuine magician, because the moment that the spell is out there, it's not useful anymore. So all of the the practices and the secrecy and so on, or I mean, you know, you see in fiction that it makes it more spooky. But I think it was for an actual reason to keep what was keep what you're doing isolated to the extent so that other people's minds couldn't get in and muck it up. So, so at, I, on, along that same line, uh, uh, what is the danger now of having this 
giant behemoth that is the media and how it has access to, you know, billions of people and it's able to manipulate our thoughts and our emotions and those sorts of things. And to what end now could that be used in a, in a um, supernatural sense? Well, that's a good question. Uh, a lot of it depends on the degree to which people are manipulated. So we know that there are professionals who do that. The people involved in advertising and propaganda, the whole point of it is to get people to do things that they may not know that they want to do. Uh, does it work? Well, it certainly works in advertising, right? So if I'm out driving somewhere and I see McDonald's, I want to go to the McDonald's. I, I need the hamburger and I, I need the French fries because you see it on the TV and it looks like it's the best thing ever made. So, you, so you, you know, that that's programming. That's a program that says I will enjoy myself and have a happy meal if, if I have this food, even if I'm not even hungry. So that certainly works. Uh, whether it works at in other levels, yeah, I mean, there's a whole division of psyops within the army that does that. That's what that's what they do. Whether it would work for something like grand manifestations, uh, it's a little trickier. Well, I don't even know about grand manifestations, but I just think that, like, if there are people that are that are up to something, are they able to somehow harness, say, mass fear, mass hysteria, those sorts of energies, and use them to their own ends? Well, I mean, look at the beginning of the Iraq war, right? So one person in Congress voted against it. Everybody else played along with it, right? So that was a moment of great fear and and anger, which was used, and it manipulated our country into, what, seven, eight trillion dollars spent for basically no reason. So, yeah, it's used all the time. It's, it's used in politics in a sense. That's what politics is. It's about manipulating public opinion to do things. Um, so one hopes that uh, in watching the news that you look at a, a broad variety of news, like news from all over the place, because then you get very quickly, what, like, what is the message from these people in the media? And what is the message from that people? And you, you at least can make a better choice about what you believe. If you look at the, the whole panoply, most people don't do that. Most people are more comfortable just seeing one particular uh, idea that's, that's echoing back on what they want to believe. It's less comfortable to look at all sides of complex issues. And the other approach is that I know a lot of people don't pay any attention to the news at all. Like none. They don't, they don't watch TV news. They don't read anything in the newspapers. They're just completely oblivious to it. So that's another approach. I want to get back for a minute to the gold plated Mercedes because I figured uh, I, I used that as, as an example of uh, something that would cause a disruption in the collective because it had to come from somewhere. Somebody is not getting it and probably I'm getting it instead or something like that. So uh, one of my Facebook friends uh, said, uh, actually, you, whenever you do a manifestation like this or your intention is going in that direction, you have to be extremely clear about what it is that you want, because uh, she gave me a gold-plated Mercedes. This actually is a little Mercedes. It's, it's gold color. It's not plated in gold. But she said, see, you wanted it, and now you have it. 
But I'm thinking, no, that that's not what I, I wanted. Like a big one. Well, she she said, you didn't say that, right? You have to be more precise. And this turns out to be true for from all kinds of affirmations. And even in the laboratory, if we give somebody instruction, we'd like you to do such and such, and it's not really precise. We might get exactly what we asked to get, but it wasn't what we really wanted. So we have to be very clear about uh, when when we're using our intention. Because we want something, really, spell it out to to a level of detail so that if you actually end up getting that, uh, that that will be the thing that you want. So actually, I'm very happy with this. uh, Because if this were an actual gold-plated Mercedes, I would have to explain to somebody, where did it come from, right? And so if it just shows up one day, it's probably not mine. And maybe somebody left it here by accident. So, so So like the next version is, yeah, it shows up. But then you look and you see that it is actually registered to you, like some somebody somewhere just decided to, to give it to you. That, that even that's not very satisfying because you're immediately wondering well, who can afford what a hundred and fifty thousand or two hundred thousand dollar car to give away, right? It, it ripples, it makes waves and ripples in, in the collective, and that's generally not not a great thing to do. Is there like an energy exchange that has to happen? Like, especially when it comes to sort of chaos magic. Like I've, I know a couple of people that have had, that have had the, they've gotten exactly what they wanted, but at a price, you know, yep. uh, they got the exact amount of money that they asked for in this sigil thing that they did, but they wrecked, they wrecked a car to get it. You know, it seems like it's, it's like, you you be careful what you wish for kind of thing. Exactly. Right. So that's it also has to do with, uh, being very clear on what you want. So here's another example. So we used to live next to a neighbor that, uh, for reasons I don't understand, they had a house that had uh, um, built-in air conditioning in the house, but for some reason they didn't like to use it. So they put a, a, a window air conditioner that was just a, made a racket all the time. So all during the summer, that racket was right outside the bedroom. So, you, so it was hard to sleep because you have this thing constantly droning all the time. So I made a sigil to make it go away. <laughs> and then after a while, I started thinking about it. I said, oh, you know, I didn't specify why it was going to go away. Maybe it's going to catch fire and burn down the house. You know, maybe something horrible would happen. Maybe it's going to fall out of the window and, and squash something. So I, I rethought it. And, and so I had to redo the sigil so that uh, it, it would stop. Like it, it, the noise would go away, but nobody would be hurt in the process. Well, occasionally it would be turned off. Like, I don't know, it was still hot outside. And they would turn it off and, you know, suddenly it felt like, great. It's, this thing has stopped. It never went completely away. It only went away when we moved. Right. So here's how the sigil can work. Right. I want that noise to go away. Okay. You're going to move to another state yeah, yeah. 600 miles away, and then you won't be bothered by it anymore. Well, it did what I wanted it to do, but it wasn't exactly the, the way I thought it would happen. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly what I was talking about. How did you, how did you actually reword that then? I reworded it to say that uh, nobody would be injured. So you actually and, put that in there. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. But no, because I, I, was, I was frightened. I mean, uh, I'll show you here. Like a reason that I was concerned is because I went to a metal bending bending party where people bend spoons and things yeah. like that. Uh, and the only thing I thought that, that I would be surprised at or interested to see was somebody bending the bowl of a spoon in half. 
twisting, like twisting on the neck and stuff and bending the neck. It's easy to do. Bending the bowl of a heavy soup spoon in half, you can't do that with your fingers. You'll, you'll get injured. But I did it. Holy, wow. So, so this, this is a heavy soup spoon. It is, it's cold. It's, you know, it's stuck there. It's really, it's like it was always there. Um, so on, I got another spoon like this. I was taking a plane to go home. And I was going to try to replicate what I had done during this this big party, uh, and I, you know, trying to, to pinch it and hold it. And I suddenly got very afraid because we were in the air at the time, and I have no idea how I did this. And so I thought, well, maybe the wings will suddenly become soft, and the plane's going to fall out of the sky because I don't know what the extent of this is. So it was a good lesson in that. Uh, if you don't know what you're doing, this is one of the reasons why when you start gaining certain powers, you have to be very careful because if you don't really understand what's happening, it could be dangerous to you and others. So that's that's where this lore comes from. Then, yeah, you're going to start gaining certain abilities, but be very, very careful about it. Great point. Um, the, 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 I do hear a lot of instances, and I've met quite a few people who have had NDEs, and they have they have gained special powers. I mean, and I don't know if that's just a latent power within them that's been manifested because of this experience that they've had, or was there any? Do you do you do you, um, do you guys research that at all? And and did you did you see any of that when you were studying the or writing about the history of of magic and and the esoteric? Uh, transformational experiences in general will will awaken some abilities. So uh, it's true with psychedelics. It's true with meditation. We've done surveys with people who are beginning to meditate to ask, have you ever encountered these kinds of experiences? Everything from synchronicities to clairvoyance and the rest. Almost everyone says yes. So it's not controlled at that point. They're They're getting spontaneous effects of this type. They seem to to be related to the beginning practice of meditation. For the same thing with uh, with psychedelics, for a lot of people, and certainly near death experiences, anything which pushes you hard away from your ordinary way of thinking about the world, you don't come back the same person. And and something about the the opening uh, as seeing reality in a slightly more expansive way. Uh, maybe does something as simple as give yourself permission. Because, you know, most of the time we're, we're going about our daily lives, we're not really paying that much of attention to what is actually happening. We're thinking about what we need to do and we have to do this and that. So all of that is constraining. It's almost like blinders. Whereas if you can go somewhere and experience the world at large without all of those expectations and plans, it's much, much stranger and we don't. We generally like to feel comfortable. We don't want to go around freaking out all the time. So we create a very stable reality where where we know things are going to be a certain way. And it takes a pretty good shot in the side of the head to to wake up from that. Like a so that's, blast I mean, of DMT. Yeah, I mean, if you get you get a DMT experience or or something mystical experience or in a NDE or whatever. That's a shot in the side of the head. That that tend, that'll wake you up. However. Some people will wake up and become psychotic, right? Even in meditation, a small percentage, I don't, something like 2, 2%, 3% of people who learn to, to start meditating, they will go psychotic because they can't handle it. So th- there's, there's one of the reasons we're reasonably stable in terms of the way that we see the world is because evolution has shaped us 
to be that way, because I think we all have the capacity to know what's going on on Pluto a billion years ago. You know, we just uh, direct our attention there and we can get it. But it's it has been suppressed for most people most of the time, except while dreaming on drugs and whatever that 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 frontal lobe suppression goes away during those periods. It suppresses it because it is not useful for us as an organism to survive by knowing what happened in Pluto a billion years ago. What's important is the tiger who's immediately in front of you right now. So you can see how the, the brain and body have developed so that we are very, very tightly attuned to here and now and not there and then, even though under the right circumstances, we can pick up anything from anywhere. Yeah, I like that. I've never thought about it like that. Giving it's maybe just as simple as giving yourself permission to to experience that stuff. Now that you've sort of opened up, you've had some crazy thing. Now it's 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 opened up the door to be honest and open with the rest of it. Yeah, I, I like that. that without thing. without freaking out. So one yeah. of the problems I have with the way that these kinds of things are portrayed in the media is that psychic ability almost always devolves into horror. Like, like there's even a, you know, when you look on the television and say, I want to see a science fiction show, it's listed as a genre of science fiction and horror because most of the studies end up being horrific. And so if something happens to, to a person and, and it's some kind of psychic thing, it's not simply that it's felt that it's weird, but that it's horrific, it's dangerous, demonic, right? Those are the images that come to mind. So among other things, besides all the other work I'm doing, I've written, uh, co-written a TV series, uh, which is not hasn't been bought yet, but we're working on it. Uh, the TV series is an antidote to psychic phenomena as horrific. It's the, uh, the flip side, saying psychic phenomena actually are really, really interesting and not particularly horrible at all. In fact, it's the opposite. It's beneficial for you and everybody else. So it's it's a very it's a different way of approaching the same topic, but with a, a much more positive message. And of course, being science fiction, it still has all kinds of mysterious things happening in it to be interesting to watch. But the the bottom line is is not horror. This is the opposite of horror. It's inspirational and awe inspiring. Speaking of positive and awe inspiring and inspirational. What is the power of positive thinking quickly before we wrap up? I mean, what's the, is there a benefit to just going through life looking at the, uh, the bright side? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Just from a purely psychological perspective, it's much healthier to, to be positive. Uh, from an affirmation perspective, it's also great, right? Your intention, your perceptions, everything is expecting positivity and the likelihood then of encountering that is much, much higher than if you go around expecting some kind of horrific thing to occur. But yeah, I mean, in every dimension you can think of, it's, it's valuable. Wow. What are you, what are you working on uh, upcoming besides the TV series? Any other, any other interesting things? Any other books or interesting things on... Uh, well, I'm also a co-founder of a company that's using genetic engineering to treat, uh, to actually change some of the behavior in the brain to treat... Uh, anxiety, depression, and eventually dementia and Alzheimer's. Sounds scary. <laughs> it's, well, it's, it's the direction that, that uh, medicine is moving in, right? It's, uh, if you think about the, the drugs that are used today to treat anxiety, 
and, and, and actually lots of other things. They're called SSRI drugs, serotonin, selective serotonin reuptake inhibitor drugs. What it does is you take that drug and it causes there to be much more serotonin in the body. Like it floods the brain and the body with serotonin. That causes the brain to downregulate certain neurons so that they're, they're not as receptive because otherwise you'd feel like you're going crazy. You know, you, you have your skin with crawling and it, it's toxic. So the brain is quite good at this and has feedback loops to, to downregulate its reception to serotonin and you'll start feeling better. You won't be as anxious. Unfortunately, it has a lot of side effects. So if you, if you take an SSRI drug for, it takes like five or six weeks to kick in. If you suddenly stop, you either become homicidal or suicidal or both. Oh. And there are lots of cases where people really have had a bad deal by getting off these drugs too quickly. But so we decided uh, the, the new rush now in the pharma business is using psychedelics to treat anxiety and depression. Why? Because the chemical structure of most psychedelics, we're talking about LSD, psilocybin, DMT, and a few others, it's almost exactly the same as serotonin. That's one of the reasons why it affects us so much. So if you take these uh, psychedelic drugs, it does the equivalent of an SSRI. It floods the brain with too much serotonin because in this case, it looks like serotonin. So the brain downregulates, and sure enough, you begin to feel better. You're not depressed and you're not anxious. So the thing is, if you stop taking psychedelics as a treatment for a while, that wouldn't be very good either for the same reason that it isn't for SSRIs. So we said, okay, what, what are those drugs actually doing? What they're doing is targeting a very specific kind of receptor in certain kind of brain cells where you, you, what you want to do is turn them down. You want to make them less receptive to, ter- to serotonin, to endogenous serotonin. So we, know, we can do that now. We have ways of genetically engineering a particular kind of receptor and a particular kind of rece- receptivity to serotonin. That's what you can do now with genetic engineering. And we developed a way to get it into your brain non-invasively. So the, most of the other, other methods that are being used for genetic engineering now, you would put a six-inch needle directly into your brain and then inject it so that it's there. And we didn't want to do that because we figured nobody, nobody's going to want to do that. So we have a way of getting into your brain non-invasively. It, it, we know through proof of principle that it. Uh, tests that we've done that it will, in fact, change receptivity of certain neurons, and it also affects anxiety. So this is this is the direction that a lot of psychiatric drugs are going to find out. Well, what you know, what's your problem? Don't don't give it a name yet. Just say what what's the problem? The problem is I get in an airplane and I'm anxious. Okay, what's probably happening is that there's too much serotonin being reuptake. Blah blah blah. We can fix that. Here, take this. And this will fix you. And in fact, it looks like it, it does fix people. So it's at this point, we're looking mainly at relatively simple things like anxiety. But we think this would also work for dementia and will work for Alzheimer's and work for much more complicated things. And the reason we can do it is because there are tools now that allow it to be done. So the Nobel Prize was given to the, the two women who developed this genetic editing method this, this year. They got the Nobel Prize. So it's a relatively new method. We've been working on developing it as, as a new kind of targeted medical treatment. And it looks like it works. 
in some ways, it seems like a bit of a contradiction to the ions thing. I mean, what about meditation and, and, and natural things for anxiety? I mean, that's isn't that also helpful in healing and to a certain extent? It is. Some people can't go there. Yeah. Right. If you're very anxious, a lot of people don't can't sit down long enough to begin to learn to meditate. Yeah. No, so yeah, need, yeah, I've I've come across that a lot. People just yeah. So we're, I'm talking meditate. about yeah. severe anxiety, severe depression. You become paralyzed yeah. with those things, and when you, you get to the state of dementia and especially Alzheimer's, yeah. you don't have the mental capacity to be able to do it anymore. Yeah. So it's true that we think ultimately uh, the brain and body can create all kinds of internal chemicals. Like the, the whole the whole pharmacy can be recreated in our own body. So eventually, yes, we'll be able to do all of this without any drugs at all. But we're not there yet. Right. And some people will just don't have the talent and can't get there no matter what. Yeah. So this is a I would say an interim as we move more and more towards targeted, very specific ways of treating that doesn't saturate the body with the drug. Because, as, as you know, if you watch TV at night and. Uh, you, you see advertisements for drugs, then they'll say in really small type and very quickly, by the way, this might kill you. It might kill everybody you've ever known, right? This is an atomic bomb that you're taking in your body and it's going to screw everything up. It might help you a little bit, but probably not. I mean, that's almost exactly what they're saying because the contraindications are really, really bad. So we're moving in a direction where, no, you have a problem, you fix only that and you don't saturate the body with all this other stuff. Where can our listeners track you down if they want to get your books or figure out what you're up to? Are you on social media, anything like that? Uh, they should go to deanradin.com, my personal site, or they should go to noetic.org, which is the Institute of Noetic Sciences. If they really want to learn about the, the rest of what I'm doing, they go to cognigenics.io. Is that Cognigenics is, just how is it sounds? About, excuse me? Is that just how it sounds? Yeah, cognigenics. C-O-G-N-I-G-E-N-I-C-S dot I-O. Sometimes they sneak an X on the end. And that throws no, we didn't, no, we didn't put an X. <laughs> we'll, uh, well, well, we'll make sure we link to all that stuff in the show notes so that everyone can track that down. We really appreciate you coming on the show and uh, come back anytime. Yeah, thanks, Dean. Thank you. This was fun. Good. Ciao for now. See you. Next time, we'll uh, try and make it so Kyle doesn't talk so much. He really is pretty overbearing. <laughs> I did have a few questions I wanted to ask, but I, I didn't want to jump in. We oh, haven't. yeah, you're welcome to jump in anytime, buddy. Yeah, no, I want to ask him, you know, having been in Peru just uh, a couple of weeks ago, like, and we can't figure out how those giant walls in Cusco and Sacsayhuaman and the giant structures in Lante Tambo, how they exactly managed to do that. And... So it'd be interesting, like, not only how did they carve it, but we're, we're thinking of it in, like in today with the materialistic, what we can do with today's technology. Maybe they did it with, where we couldn't even do it. A lot of that, we couldn't even do it with today's technology. Uh, like at Elante Tambo, they got that, those giant rocks up there, but one of them's at the bottom and they had to build a road around it. Because even today we didn't have the technology to move it. Yeah. Um, so using that manifestation that he was talking about, one is that possibly using that to carve the stone and as well to move it and put it into place so perfectly. So that, that was something I wanted, uh, was wondering like to, to ask him about that. So. Yeah. Interesting. 
Yeah, big thanks to Dean for coming on the show. Big thanks to Kyle for hanging out with us as we're quarantining here for thanks to Graham. Didn't really have much of a choice, did I? No, you're stuck here. Thanks to Graham. Yeah, thanks, Graham. Yeah, we are outright blaming Graham at this point for our COVID, if we have it. Find out tomorrow. We're still negative up till now. Up to now, but pretty sure that'll change by tomorrow. Well, I'm still feeling a little tired and achy, so. Yeah, well, hopefully you'll survive. Yeah. So, you're not one of those people that I should have got the vaccine. I should have got it. Take the shot. Take the shot. Garmerica.ca slash support if you can, when you can. If you're getting some value from the show and you want to send some value back our way, head over to Garmerica.ca slash support today. Sign up for a monthly, make a one-time donation. Head over to adultbrain.ca if you want to get some of those great audio books Graham's been reading, some of the esoteric classics of all time, including the latest one that just came out, Isis Unveiled, Volume 1. As soon as uh, Lazy Bones over here gets out over his cough, we'll get him started on volume two. And uh, it's all fantastic. Stop coughing. Uh, Canadian Shane, he's just faking it. It's not like school, dude. It's not like you don't have to prove to me that you're sick. I've seen the test. <laughs> A Canadian.shame.ca. If you want to get uh, my book, head over to grandmarker.ca slash chats to get in on the conversation. What else? Grammarica.ca slash swag. If you want to get some shirts and stuff, contact at thecabin.com. If you want to get in on one of our fantastic events, we just had a great time down in Washington again. Graham got COVID, but don't let that slow you down. I mean, I mean, what are the chances? Grammarica.ca slash support. Thanks for listening. We love you guys. We'll see you next week. I'm walking gingerly through the red race. Take a look at the big old smile on my face Kicking around down by the pool of narcissists The people are many, they preen themselves Oh, how they navel gaze Somewhere over that hill, the gloomy skies cease to exist I'm climbing that hill, I pass by and pity the poor Sisyphus I go into hyperdrive, turn into a beam of light I'm strolling down a static electric avenue The people are predictable, they say good morning, how do you do? When out of nowhere, a randomly pure angel in the crosswalk bumps into me And in doing so, knocks all the evil and all the wind out of me And it's black as tar, ugly as ever, and of no apology This angelic mama sings heavenly of the truest theology Together we're a seraphim dream, forever young with no chronology thousand years from now will be written into ancient mythology we go into hyperdrive turn into a beam of light can you tell me about the view up there it's sparkling remarkably the air is crystal clear well please won't you tell me what it takes to transcend this place a little bit of heart and a whole lot of soul Take a look at the big old smile on my face As 
my angel says dance with me and your life will never ever ever be dull I go into hyperdrive turn into a beam of light 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 turn into a beam of light